Welcome, friends. James Corbett here at CorbettReport.com. You're tuned into Solutions Watch, and this week on the D program, we're going to do something a little bit different. First, I'm going to take a question from a listener, namely Patrick, who wrote in to say, Hi, James. I would like to make a suggestion for a future Solutions Watch. Obviously, right now, it is more important than ever to take action in our lives and create solutions. I think that one of the best actions we can take is to stop feeding the beast system. That's, this is easy in theory. Take all money out of the stock market and banks and stop making any purchases from evil companies, but more difficult in practice. Many people rely heavily on retirement accounts or other traditional investments within the mainstream financial system for their financial security, which are in turn feeding the establishment corporations and banksters. As Catherine Austin Fitz has said, we are building our own prison. I know you've talked in the past of agorism generally, but I think it would be extremely helpful and interesting to have a Solutions Watch focus on investing like an agorist, uh, drilling down into some solutions for becoming financially independent and diversified while investing outside of this current system. Of course, one size does not fit all, but I think that getting these ideas flowing could help a lot of people to start to take action. Best regards, Patrick. Thank you very much for that, Patrick. I couldn't agree more. In fact, this is something that I keep going back to in my work, perhaps most recently in my recent newsletter on uh, how to play 3D chess, which I will commend to your attention if you haven't read it yet, uh, which comes to the, the conclusion that I think is the inevitable conclusion. Yes, this is a rigged game. It has been rigged against you from before you even started playing, and the only way to win the rigged game is to not play their game. But easier said than done. How do you invest outside of the system? How do you extricate yourself from this, especially given that the baseline reality of these central bank fiat currencies is the monetary prison upon which everything else is predicated? So uh, it's a huge question, obviously. And as you say, one size does not fit all. There are a million caveats. But it is a discussion we need to start having. And it's not just between me and you, Patrick. It's between me and you and everyone else listening to this call and the people that I have brought in to tackle this question, I've assembled a super group of people who know a thing or two about this topic. So let's bring them on to talk about this. Today, we're going to be talking to Tim Pachot, aka the Liberty Advisor at thelibertyadvisor.com, Jack Spierko of the Survival Podcast at thesurvivalpodcast.com, and Sal Mayweather, aka Sal the Agorist at saltheagorist.com. Hopefully you'll be familiar with these uh, these gentlemen, these esteemed colleagues already. But if not, don't worry, we'll give them a chance to introduce themso the, themselves. So let's just go around the horn. Everyone just give the basic intro, one or two sentences, who you are, why you're here. Let's start with Tim. Hey, thank you, James. I'm Tim Pichot, the Liberty Advisor. I'm a podcaster focusing and also financial advisor who is focusing on you know, liberty-based topics, uh, you know, economics, blockchain, cryptocurrency, all sorts of things, uh, basically everything that entails the question that you have today. And as you mentioned, you can find me at thelibertyadvisor.com, where I'm encouraging everybody to I actually got off Facebook, got off all those platforms. So you're going to have to go to the website where you can find the alternative media places where you can find my content going forward. Awesome. Jack. Uh, my name is Jack Spierko. I am the uh, founder and host of the survivalpodcast.com. We've been online since 2008. We've uh, consistently been a top 10 uh, podcast in the philosophy category on iTunes. Um, about a quarter million listeners per show. And uh, we've been doing this, like I said, since 2008. And we cover everything on uh, independence, liberty, and wow, there's a big buzz there. So I'll let it go. And maybe that's going to go away, I hope. All right. And Sal. Yeah, so I'm Sal Mayweather. Uh, I have a 
podcast called The Agora, and I blog about agorism at newlibertarian.io. I started started a company um, that that focuses on counter-economics called uh, Agoristics, and we have a a website called 3dprintergobird.com where we sell 3D printers and supplies for cryptocurrency. Uh, Other than that, you can find me on all of your different social media platforms, at Sally Mayweather or just Sal Mayweather. Awesome. All right. So let's let's start tackling this question again. There's so many things to go through, but uh, let's start with Tim, because you are a certified financial planner, financial manager, whatever the title is. Uh, so you I mean, this is literally what you do. But you, I understand you take a completely different tack than most uh, people in that field would do. And as you say, you're interested in, in blockchain, cryptocurrencies and agoristic ideas and Austrian economics. Tell people about what it is that you do and what kinds of things you start doing when a new client comes to you looking to uh, invest outside of the traditional system. Thanks, James. So one of the people that really helped uh, get me down this road was our good friend Ernest Hancock, who one day at a party of his said, hey, we got a bunch of rich crypto people here. How do they you know, basically take their money from you know, let's say you invested $10,000 and now you have $2 million, but you want to be able to use some of that money. And he got me down the road of, of basically how do you take your money and actually use it without getting killed on taxes and using some of the same tactics that the, you know, so-called, you know, not elite are, are using against us or the parasitic elite class are using against us. And so I went down that road of how, you know, Bitcoin early adopters could basically use the same tips and tools as the, you know, like the Bill Gates of the world. And that also then led me to, you know, figuring out how to have different types of crypto IRAs where you could have actual Bitcoin, where you have the actual private key in a retirement account. Because I know that there's because the thing is, some people want to say there's a lot of different ways to tackle this. But if you're 65 years old and you have eight hundred thousand dollars in an IRA, the discussion of being in the system or out of the system is already a little bit too late at that point. And so there are different ways where you can basically make the best out of that situation and either you know move some of it into physical gold or silver or you know, and there's, you know, we, I don't have a one size approach to everything that's going on, but people should have some sort of idea of what they want to do, what is important to them, what their goals are, because if you don't have an idea of what your goals are, you're never going to be able to get to where you want to be. And then I also like to think of, okay, close your eyes and really imagine what if you had 10 times more than what your goals are? Would your goals change? Would you want a bigger house? Would you want to retire earlier or move on to that next phase of your life? Would you want to help out the community more? Like what is really important to money about you? And then we and then try to reverse engineer to at least hit what their minimum goal is. Well, then, you know, planning for the worst, hoping for the best. And certainly with what's going on in the world economy or, you know, this entire rigged casino that's going on. Uh, I don't think there's really ever been as much of a bubble. But when the bubble is in the actual underlying currency, it's a much different mechanism than when the bubble, than your traditional stock market bubble, because you go back to like an, an example like Germany, and, and I think 1910 their stock market was around 400, then it went down to 100, but then by 1923 it was 27 million or somewhere right around there. And the thing is, it's not because things were going great in Germany; it's because the currency was debased. And I think on a not even that long time horizon, that is going to be the case as they try to have a and not to borrow a title from the Jeff Berwick uh, and Charlie Robinson book, but the controlled demolition of the American empire, where I firmly believe that this is all a controlled demolition to problem reaction solution to get us into a central bank digital currency. And at that point, when they have us all on their grid, they're going to 
at, at that point completely have us by the you know what and be able to charge negative interest rates to have all these different schemes of once you know they break our legs and try to give us a crutch to say hey you know you were talking to james corbett and he's a thought criminal so what we're going to do is we're going to make sure that you're not going to get your new 1200 hundred a month stimulus or we're not going and they're going to keep you know upping the ante and upping the ante and so ideally somebody should really figure out a way to have a business doing something that they love. And so not to sound corny, but it's, you know, to do something you love, and you never have to work a day, but you know, it doesn't start like that from day one. So I'm sure, I'm sure with James, when you, yep. Yeah, no, you raised such a good point there. I mean, first of all, yeah, what is your situation? Obviously, that's going to, if you're 20 years old and getting into this, it's going to be obviously light years different than if you're 60 years old. But secondly, yeah, what is your goal? What is it you want to accomplish and what do you want to do with your life? That, I think, is one of the most fundamental parts that often gets excluded from the investment equation. What do you actually want to do in your life and build your life around that? And Jack, I know that's that's kind of the uh, one of the fundamental ideas that you often work with in, in your podcast, talking about how to build based on what your goals are, determine those, and then try to construct your life around that. Talk about those principles and how they apply to investing. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm bullish on cryptocurrency. I've been an adopter since about 2014. Had I got on a little earlier, I'd be coming to you from the island of Jackistan right now instead of <laughs> instead of north central Texas. But I try to stay a lot more broad in my definition of investments, I think, than most people do. So today I spent most of my day you know, working, uh, which involved uh, putting about 250 plants in the ground. And to me, that's an investment, right? Because that's going to come back to me this year. Uh, it's a relatively short-term investment that's going to produce food for me that I'm not going to have to buy. Uh, I keep livestock. That's an investment. I'm, I'm teaching my grandson hard skills, how to build things, so that when I'm old and I'm lazy and I don't want to do it anymore, he can do it for me. That's an investment. I've invested in property. That is a, uh, a mainstream investment. I still consider that an investment. Like, I don't really shy away from the systems investments. I just try not to make that everything that I do. I generally refer to, Tim excluded here, my own advisor excluded here, I generally refer to financial advisors as financial liars because they say, well, you're diversified. Well, how am I diversified? Well, you have small cap, mid cap growth and in income, right? And uh, some bonds. Okay, well, that's not diversified. I'm holding 100% assets in US dollars in paper. That's not diversification. Uh, I, I absolutely invest in gold and silver. And I find it interesting, like we're having this weird bifurcation now on our side, on the liberty side of like, you know, I'm all in on crypto. And then you have these people like, I really believe in precious metals. Why not both? Like the little Taco girl, Taco Bell girl said, right? Like, why not both? Like, why, why, are, you, why are you going all in on anything? Like our great grandparents taught us like all the eggs in one basket, bad idea. And I've just tried to take that and go forward with it. I look at, like, I invest in high-quality power tools. That's an investment. I invest in high-quality hand tools. That's an investment. I, You know, when I buy a vehicle, I try to buy a vehicle that has a high resale value. That's an investment. And I think that's, that's the approach we need to take. We need to look at this from a standpoint of what is an investment in the first place, right? So an investment to me is I spend a certain amount of money today, and I get a greater amount of value tomorrow. Is that in dollars? Maybe. Is it in food? Maybe. Is it in work? Maybe. Is it in uh, a return of labor? Maybe. But one way or another, whatever I spend, I want more back in the future than I get today. And maybe not for myself. When I do charity, 
I look at charity as an investment. I'm giving the money to an entity who I feel can do more with it than I can. And if I don't feel they can do more with it than I can, I'm not giving them the money. I'm not doing it to feel good. I'm doing it to get a return of investment on the other side. I don't necessarily have to get all of it back. And I think we've we've been dumbed down to the point where we don't even understand what the hell an investment is anymore. We think an investment is I put in $5, I get back $10. At least you're in the right direction there. But what if the $10 is now worth what four was when you put the five into it? Nobody ever asked that question. And, and it's, it's, it's become the case that, like, that's where we're at. That's, that's kind of what Tim was talking about with the, uh, the Weimar Republic stock market, right? It looked really great on paper, but if you couldn't buy anything with it, if you couldn't buy enough toilet paper to wipe your rear end with it, it didn't do you any good. So I think that we need to make every decision that we make based on what we put our money into – based on what's going to come out on the other side, whether we get it back or not. If I want it to go somewhere else, that's fine too. But we need to be thinking that way, and we need to broaden it to every single thing that we do. A tree is an investment. Yeah. And I really yeah. mean that. A tree yeah. is an investment. Uh, quality livestock that will reproduce for me is an investment. And when you start thinking that way, it gets really easy really fast. Yeah. If that makes no, it's sense. No, a, it's a great point because we have been trained essentially to think investing equals stocks and bonds. That's it. IRA maybe. But that's 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 what investing is. But you're right. I mean, it, let's start thinking about it in the bigger picture. And we are getting something out of every exchange we do. Are we maximizing what we are getting out? Are we thinking about the long-term actual productivity of what we're investing our time, money, energy, thoughts, and creative process on? Most people probably aren't in most things that they're doing. So let's talk about how they can do that. Sal, talk about Agoristics. What is this company? What What's it trying to do? Yes. Yeah, so I started Agoristics as... Um the idea was we want to sort of make it possible for people to use cryptocurrency. We, we think that you shouldn't just sit on cryptocurrency, stick it underneath your mattress. You should actually try to use it. Uh, that's the only way we're going to replace USD or fight the Fed. So we're trying to enable it. It's not as easy to spend cryptocurrency as it is to spend, uh, you know, fiat dollars. So we're, we're trying to change that. And we have other projects we're working on that are, are will be coming out soon, but... You know, to me, the whole concept, it's, it's not, you know, we could sit here, James, we can enumerate the different investments that agorists have, are, and will be making, but it's probably more useful for your audience if they can understand the concepts that we're using or the principles that we're putting into practice here. So the first principle or the first concept I think is important to understand is this idea of agorism as... Um, like socio-political entropy, all right? So I'm going to speak to the nerds for a second. Uh, for any of my fellow science nerds out there, the same pattern that Boltzmann identified in thermodynamics or that Shannon identified in information theory is the same pattern that Samuel Edward Konkin identified in the political economy, and that's just entropy. It's the idea that centralized systems eventually decay into distributed or decentralized models. So... That's the first principle, at, first principle at play. And the second one is just always bet against the government. Always. And if that sounds overly simplified to anybody out there, I would just refer you to uh, Hayek's pretense of knowledge without getting too deep into the weeds right now or Mises' economic calculation problem. And when you combine those two principles, uh, I think you, you come to the conclusion that agorism is just about sort of 
we're looking for centralized statist entities and we're, we're looking for alternatives and we're investing in those alternatives. That's essentially what Agoras investing comes down to. All right. Well, let's let's not oversimplify the other side of this equation because people are going to look at this and say, well, OK, so what if we all took, say, Peter Schiff's advice back in 2008 and in when the big collapse happened and everyone just shifted everything into gold and had sat on the sidelines while the stock market record highs? It's, you know, is party times for the past 13 years. And there's something to that. You would be richer in USD if you had done that, uh, you know, just going to the blue chip, chip stocks. Um, but why why would that not be a good idea? Or why should people be exploring the alternatives to that? Anyone wants to jump in? Yeah, so um, the one reason why that's not a good idea, it's almost like a game of musical chairs, right? You, 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 you want to make sure you have a seat. And you don't know when the music is going to stop. It could be at any moment that that bubble bursts. And if you want to ride that bubble to the top, and if you can time it, then God bless. But it's a very, very difficult thing to time that market. It's a much safer bet to, to, to transfer your value, transfer your assets into non-inflationary assets that the government can control. So you can do that. You can ride the bubble to the top, but it's a very dangerous game to play. And, and most can't time it as well as Peter Schiff did back in 2008. Well, I, I don't think bigger... it... Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to go exactly what you said. So, I mean, he, there was things he did before 2008 where he shorted the market, but that was only for small different hedge funds that he was uh, that he had created. That was only for accredited investors. But I, you know, I started my career actually the day Lehman Brothers collapsed, September 15, 2008. So, you know, great time to welcome to the business. And you know, I had to basically take a financial advisor sales job because there was no way that I could try to become a stock analyst in 2008. I mean, it was like trying to become a Hawaiian tropics bikini girl. I mean, there's no chance I was ever going to have a chance to become a stock analyst in 2008. So I did what I had to do. And I rode that bubble. And, and late last year, I gave a speech at Anarchapoco where, unfortunately, James and I were speaking at the exact same time. And during one of those uh, speeches, I had my philosophy was where I had I had put options on the S&P 500 while being long the S&P because I'm like, listen, this is a rigged game. And at the time, that strategy made sense. Right now, that strategy doesn't really make sense because of just how much the premiums are. And it costs like about 400 percent more to do that today than it did a year and a half ago. And to sales point, I'm saying what I'm doing right now is a great reset type strategy where I was telling my clients I wanted to make sure they had a seat at the table. And so some of my my more normie clients I mean, I had some people where, you know, they're like, hey, listen, we're expecting like 200 percent a year type returns. And we're I mean, just people. So we're getting to this point now where we're getting this extreme, extreme greed. And it's but the thing is, the system cannot allow the greed to ever go down, because since the money is based off of debt, it's not money, it's currency. But since the currency is based off of debt, if you have any sort of deflation in financial assets, all of the dominoes fall. And so they have to keep pretending that they can keep raising things. And to James' point, at one point you had mentioned about diversification. Well, in 2008, diversification didn't actually help you out. Everything went down. Uh, I mean, some of the bond markets, there's, you know, I guess you would have been okay in bonds in 2008, but we're in a different situation. 2020, everything basically went down. Everything basically collapsed. It didn't matter like how diversified you are. Now, my strategy at the time, uh, you know, did pretty well. But going forward, the bond market, no one has basically ever retired who is you know, 60, 70, 80 years old right now in an environment of rising rates. And so there's something called 
interest rate risk. And so if you have a 10-year duration bond and rates go up 1%, your underlying principal gets 10% gets you know basically lopped off the top if you need to go cash in that bond to go sell it. So a lot of retirees think that they're being super safe and they're being liquid. But then imagine if rates go up 2% because of compounding, now you're down about 22% if you need to cash out. And so if you, so for anyone that thinks they're being safe in the bond market, you are absolutely, now this is a quote I've heard Peter Schiff say is you are, you know, picking up pennies in front of a steamroller. And so at this point, you're getting paid basically nothing to be in a bond. You're lending money to zombie bankrupt corporations or zombie companies that are using the world to enslave you. And so I, right now I'm telling people, listen, I'm not investing on a, and, and this was really only something that it came to be. It was really when that whole so-called capital riot was going down. And that's when I knew for sure that at that point, I knew that the Democrats were going to control everything and that they were just going to ram through whatever they wanted to call rough shot. I'm like, listen, at this point, I'm not investing to see what we're going to do quarter by quarter. This is eventually if the reset happens tomorrow or if it happens five years from now, it's immaterial because I want to make sure that we have a seat at the table. Because eventually there's going to be a lot of people with not a lot of seats left. I mean, there's only 21 million Bitcoin that's ever going to be created. That's not even enough. I think there's 20 million millionaires in America. So not so barely every millionaire in America could have one, let alone worldwide. And, you know, I don't want to hog up all the time right now, but it, it's just what worked in the past is not necessarily going to work in the future. And to James' point, I don't know why people are camping these, you know, it has to be gold, it has to be silver. I mean, you should have something liquid. And so I think so, everybody should at least maybe have three months of sil of their expenditures liquid in silver. Because if you have it all in cryptocurrency and crypto is down 80%, and now you need to start selling your crypto to go fund your life, then I mean, you're, that's a very, very hard thing to recover from. Just anyone in the ICO market in 2018 that was raising money in Ethereum or sorry, late 2017, you know, they were all wiped out. And so it is important to basically have risk management strategies where you're not going to just have all your eggs in one basket and be wiped out when everything else goes down. Yeah. Um, so you started this out with asking about Schiff and gold. And I, I want to be clear. I like dinosaurs and I like Tyrannosaurus rexes. And uh, Peter Schiff is a really great Tyrannosaurus rex. It, it, and, and when I was a kid, I loved Tyrannosaurus rex, man. I wanted, I wanted to be a dinosaur digger and go out and find T-Rex eggs and stuff like that. And, and so when I when I hear him talk, I'm like, that's the greatest strategy I've ever heard for yesterday. And it, it, it feels to me as though and, and I really do respect the guy, but I, I and I love his quote that money goes where it's treated well. Um, I really appreciated the work his father did. I, I hate the fact that he died in prison, but I just feel like, come on, let's let's come into the modern age. And I, I feel this like hatred of crypto is a complete and total misunderstanding by someone that is so locked on to what used to work, they can't see what does work now. And, and that's where I'm saying. I don't want to walk away from silver and gold. Uh, I've advised 5 to 10% of your net wealth in, in precious <clears throat> metals forever. Like that, I mean, since I started, that's what I've been recommending. And I advise about the same amount in cryptocurrency. And I think if you do that, you're going to end up with a lot more than that. And that's where I really think we're headed. But we've got to really get to this point where we start understanding, I think what we don't understand is money. Like, people don't even know what money is. I, I describe money as something, and I think I'm the only one that does this. All money, whether it's crypto, gold, silver, fiat, I don't care what it is, it's all a ledger of accounting. It's all to make sure that if I do business with Sal and I buy a printer from him, 
and I send him some form of consideration, at the end of the day, we've squared the deal. That's all money is. And and we've gotten to a point now where we've been convinced that some godlike authority that is actually not even the state, but we think is the state, can decree that which is money. And, and all we really need to be able to exchange is basically obeying the laws of thermodynamics. Money's energy or a symbol for energy. Anything that I do of value had some form of energy go into it. Anything that, James, you do that has a form of, uh, of value that comes back to me had energy that goes into it. And money or anything we use as a medium of exchange is simply a way that we square that between us and make sure at the end of that transaction that we're back to par. And I think once you understand that, and then you take what Tim was alluding to there with the, uh, the scarcity of assets within the crypto space, you get to a point where I can either have my money work against me or for me, and, and that's why I'm so bullish in the crypto space. And I got a little distracted there on the on the static, but I, I hope that makes sense. No, you make some great points. And uh, I think that also raises the other half of Patrick's concern here. It's not just about um, investing for the sake of what I can get out of it from myself and my own worth, but also because when we are investing our time, our energy, our money in these big global corporations that we know are playing playing with the uh, the beast system in one way or another, we are contributing to ultimately our own demise, our own downfall. So that that's another factor, I think, in what goes into this. Not just what are you investing in terms of what you're getting back directly, but what are you investing in? What are you giving your time and your energy and your 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 concern, your money to in order to build that thing up. So what are some ways that people who are concerned about this system can divert their their money from the big global behemoth corporations into supporting the businesses they really want to support? I'll, I'll throw in on that. I'll throw in on that if you want. I think like one that like, it doesn't really fit the conventional, but it fits the unconventional, is homeschool your freaking kids. Get your kids out of the beast system that is the education system that's really an indoctrination system. I, I've been just fascinated at conservatives accurately pointing out how bad the education system is. And in the next breath, we need to open our schools. And it's like, oh, my God, guys, really, come on. Like, you almost had it. Like, I feel like that guy in the Geico commercial with the fishing rod. Ooh, you almost had it, right? Like. Come on. And now let's think about this. You taking your kid out of school is probably going to cost you more money. And that doesn't seem like a good investment. But what it's going to also do is it's going to cost the the school that your kid would have sat in. It's going to cost them money because they get paid by ass and seat count. That's how they get. That's why they freaked out about attendance over the last 10 years, like where you have to have like 47 notes from 52 people that say it's OK that your kid's not in school now. That's where that comes from, because they lose. What do you gain? What you gain is a child that grows up with your values. People send their kids to school for what is it, 13 years for the majority of the time. So the kid spends more time with an administrator than they do with you. And then they're shocked when that kid's like 20 and turns their back on all your values. Duh, somebody else raised your kids. They're espousing the values that the person that raised them <clears throat> gave them. So I gain, number one, in, in my case now, you know, it's my grandkids, my grandkids having my values. I also gain them having the skill sets that I teach them because we're doing shop class. So like my grandson last week is outside like burning wood on my new workbench for me. 
Um, but I also am taking away, we talked about taking away from the system, right? So I'm taking them out. I'm, I'm giving them one less person they get to shape. I am, yes, I'm still paying my property tax, but yet the allocation now has changed. I am, I'm changing the calculus here by removing my child from school. And then just like, well, what else can you do that with? I, I make, here, hold on a second, since we're on video. That's apricot mead. I make my own mead. I make my own alcohol. I, 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 I will do every, anything I can to not contribute to the beast. They, they take money from me because I like to imbibe. So they take money from me in what they call sin taxes. Anything I can do to make less go in is worth doing. <clears throat> if it puts more in my pocket, fine. If it doesn't, it still puts less in their hands. The one thing I think we can go across the political spectrum with, and the only thing I can think we can go across the political spectrum with, is no matter who you are, your government does something with your money that you find reprehensible. And that's something we need to be teaching people. Like, you need to think that way. You need to understand that whatever, no matter how much you love government, they're doing something with your money you hate. So wouldn't it be great? If they didn't have any of your money or at least less of your money. And, and that's kind of the mentality we have to come at, at this with. And it's very doable. There's so many things we can do to make this happen. You know, um, another point to your question, James, uh, just to add on, I agree with everything Jack and, and Tim have said so far. But another point is, you know, it's important to remember that agorism, we don't we're not just profit seeking entrepreneurs. We're also seeking disruption. Right. There's two sides to the agorist entrepreneur. It's not just profit. So we want to sort of be entrepreneurs in a disruptive way. So one way you can do that is to innovate, right? To sort of try to um, build these systems that we're all going to be using tomorrow, build these decentralized and distributed models. Um, things like uh, blockchain infrastructure, right? There's a lot of work. We're, we're still really early in terms of, I know we spoke a lot about cryptocurrency and stuff, but that infrastructure a lot of it still isn't there. It's waiting for someone, some entrepreneur to come and build it. And that's going to be a huge uh, opportunity in the future, not just surrounding um, you know, cryptocurrencies, but also tokenized securities and assets, which is another sort of um, area of the blockchain that I'm really interested in in terms of investments. Uh, smart contract infrastructure. Um, all sorts of things are, are, are out there, non-custodial financial services. There's so much room for innovation out there for people who know uh, how to build these systems that really the opportunity is almost endless. Good points. Tim? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I'm just, you know, when it comes to, you know, tokenizing, uh, you know, different securities, I mean, one of the big things is we've got the government in the way of allowing that to actually happen. I mean, you take a look at what, how antiquated the stock market is. A lot of this GameStop saga, and I hate to defend Robinhood because it's really the whole system where when you sell a stock, it settles in two days. And so what was going on with all this trading going back and forth and with having more shares borrowed than even exists, which actually is illegal, there it was going to they're going to have a collateral requirement. But there's no real reason to have to wait two days for your stock to settle. Uh, Patrick Byrne, formerly of Overstock.com, launched something called T0, where the uh, where the transaction is a settlement. I know Ernest Hancock has had him on many times on his show to talk about that. But the thing is, why isn't that already being done? It's not being 
done because the big financial institutions have an incentive to make it wait two more days because they're doing different things to, you know, basically to screw you in the meantime. And I think to Jack's point, what I want to add on one more thing is it's, it's great if I want to, you know, unschool my kids and I want to do all this different stuff. But if my spouse doesn't want to, it doesn't, you're basically dead in the water. So actually probably the mo most important investment you can make is who you pick to basically spend your time with uh, for the rest of your life. Because, you know, I'm sort of in that situation now where with my ex-wife, you know, I was standing, I refused to wear a mask. So I've gone eight months without wearing a mask and uh, she works at their school. And so I was going to, you know, I basically stood outside for an hour and a half because she was in a meeting and they're like, wait a minute, you're not going to put your kids in school because you won't, you've just been standing out here the whole time. Like, yeah, I'm not wearing a mask. And so I got them to basically tell them like, and they're like, well, kids are going to learn anything. I'm like, they're four and five years old and all they're going to do is learn propaganda. And I don't want them here anyways. They're like, okay, we'll let you go in to drop them out off without a mask. So that was me saying, I don't care. I don't want to go in to drop my kids off. So, and I'm willing to spend my time out here with them in the parking lot rather than going inside of there and voting with your wallet is another thing. So, you know, there's different pizza places by me, different other, you know, restaurants that don't hassle me about not wearing a mask and the owners know this thing's a whole pandemic. And so I go and I spend my money with them and I don't try spending my money with the people who are saying, you know, hey, you're not wearing a mask and you're gonna get everybody sick. And so, uh, you know, it's just how you treat people. And then to sales point, Right now, I'm trying the, the vision that I had about four years ago is I'm right now in the midst of trying to create a cryptocurrency investment company where all the fees can be, can be paid in crypto. You can invest into actual crypto, do it on a scalable fashion to basically be the bridge where I was trying to do things from a complete agorist perspective and as much as I could within the system. But what I found out is most people don't care about holding on to private keys. And they don't care about doing all the things they should care about. But if I can get them to a much better, you know, sort of like halfway solution. And then once they realize, oh, wow, this is actually doing way better than my traditional stuff, then eventually getting them to the point where they have it on a private key and they, or they're doing a paper wallet or they're having some sort of multi-signature. But it's taken me about three or four years to realize that, that the average person, unfortunately, doesn't really care about all the things that we're talking about. And so I'm not just trying to preach to the choir. I'm trying to get people and be sort of like a halfway step and then say, hey, but then once you're ready to go all the way, we've got the tools to go all the way. But just doing so in a framework, especially in the financial system, you know, I got a lot of arrows. I lost my job for doing this, for trying to tell people how they could sell Bitcoin in late 2017. Uh, my The company I was with, I was an independent contractor, said, you're not allowed to give this speech at Anarchapoco because you're going to talk, because you're talking about Bitcoin. We've banned 17,000 I was an advisor from talking about Bitcoin. So I stepped away from, uh, for the first time in my life, I was making money and then basically was out of the game for, for a year, had to sell my house. And so I took steps backwards to go forwards. And so sometimes if you're at, if you're in a job that you don't like and, and you're doing, you know, start a side hustle and then eventually turn that when that side hustle starts, you know, becoming something then it can become your main thing. And so I'm sure it wasn't easy when James, when you decided to, you know, just you know, start doing all the amazing work and research you do, and starting off with zero subscribers. And you know, it's not like you started you know day one with a thousand different corporateers and patrons and everything else. And so, but people, I think no one is really willing to take a step backwards. Sometimes you got to take two steps backwards to take ten forward. And I think this. And, and what are some people doing with their time? I mean, so many people were off or laid off, and they're out playing video games instead of learning a skill, learning how to video edit, learning how to different microphone setups, all sorts of things that people could be doing. And so it's just how you spend your time and then trying to 
build a better future. Absolutely. You know, actually, that's a good way of framing it because I never, ever, ever have ever thought of my website as a business. It isn't a business. I never got into this at all, even thinking I'd make a single penny out of it ever. And I didn't care. I was doing it because I really wanted to do this and I wanted to share it. And I did this for four years, basically as a second full-time job on top of my full-time job before I finally was able to make it my full-time job because I do have subscribers now and I do have people listening, but I still, I've never thought of it as a business. It isn't a business. It's what I do. And that's, I think, that that's my idea of investing. No, I this is my creative energy, my passion. I put my time and effort into this because I want to do it. And well, I lo- I'm blessed enough to have people who will support me in doing that. But I think that's the kind of situation that we should be looking for. And I think you're right. I mean, obviously, it, it's it's a huge amount of work. But it, and that's why if you're not doing it out of love, out of passion, out of something you want to do then you're, yeah, you're basically just consigning yourself to a a lifetime of drudgery. So I think that's an important aspect of it. There are so many other things that we should talk about today, but I think one thing that we should address before we start wrapping this conversation up is that we've been talking a lot about sort of, you know, looking into the far future and people at the younger side of their life, you know, where should they be doing? What should they be doing? What about those people on the other side who are uh, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, approaching retirement, already have invested so much of their life and time and money and energy into the system as it exists? What would be your advice for them to start extracting themselves from this or starting to switch things over? Or how do they look forward um, to what looks like the end of an empire, the end of an age is is upon us. Uh, how do you start preparing for that when you're already uh, already approaching retirement? I, I, yeah, so... I think, go ahead, go Jack. ahead, Go ahead, Sal. So um, a couple ideas. Number one, um, obviously, everything that uh, Jack and Tim and, and you, James, have said about gold and silver, I think, is wonderful. But a lot of, um, especially like a lot of retirees, they have these pre-existing assets that they can sort of utilize right like uh maybe the, your your kids have, have left the the home and you have all these extra rooms rent them out throw them on airbnb what a great way to disintermediate the hotel cartels um you know there's all sorts of and again i know it's like difficult for maybe people on the other side of the digital divide to sort of take advantage of some of the more advanced technologies but i mean you know, again, if you could sort of take these pre-existing assets and, and you know, if you have a car, tokenize your car, turn it into a, a gig for Uber. Um, other than that, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, like I said, all non-inflationary assets, residential real estate, not commercial real estate, but residential real estate, I think is going to be one of the few assets that does really well. And also, it's not out of the realm of possibility if maybe you are on the other side of the digital divide. It's not that difficult. Call up your kids. Call up your friends and neighbors and say, hey, I'm really interested in this Bitcoin thing. How do I get involved? I guarantee they would be more than willing to help Maybe out. Maybe Peter Schiff's son can tell him how to get involved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've also heard that that's the ultimate top is when Peter Schiff is finally you know, bullish on crypto. That that's maybe the, uh, the sell signal. So. <laughs> He's the uh, he's the the uh, the shoe shine boy uh, that told uh, what's his name uh, uh, the can- old man Kennedy to get out of the stock market, right? I, I think it depends. Like, so when people say, "Well, like I'm too old or whatever," and I'm in the old paradigm, did you do well? Because if you didn't do well in the old paradigm, while well, the old paradigm was the paradigm, I don't know that I can help you now. Right. So we have people, that, and I, I hate it for them, but we have people that are like they're 65 and they're broke. I, I, I don't know if I can help you. 
what Sal was alluding to there is if you're 65 and you've done well, then you might want to take some portion of what you've done well with and invest in the new economy. And I think this is exactly it's a place where it's hard for people. And I, I see it with people like Peter Schiff. I see it with it, not with investing, but just in general with people who used to be the innovators. We have a local guy here that's on the radio named Ed Wallace. He's syndicated across the country, radio guy uh, into ca- cars, right? And um, this guy was so innovative that he was the guy that built the first website that you could go online, pick a car, get your colors, do all your options, all those things, and order a car online. And when he took it to the manufacturers, you know what they said? No one will ever buy a car online. He was that far ahead of the curve. But if you ask him about electric vehicles, Tesla, autonomous vehicles today, he's like, oh, no, never. It's all, you know, it's never going to happen. And it's like somewhere as we age, we go over this precipice where we don't want to do new things anymore. And I worry about it myself. I'm like 50 now. And like, you know, am I going to get there? And, 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 and I don't know that I am. But I think that if you have done well and you're an older person, take 5%, 10% and invest in this new world. And if it, if it doesn't work out, exit it and take your money back. But take the shot. Right. Like you did your whole life. Like if you've done well at 65, at some point in your life, you got to like the edge and you jumped. You took the shot. You didn't just do what you were told or you're broke because and that's what you I did. The the biggest thing people have to understand, the people that did exactly what they were told to do their whole life and they're 65, 75, 80, they're broke. They're all broke. The majority of people in the world are broke when they're born. They're broke when they're 18. They're broke when they're 30. They're broke when they're 40. They're broke when they're 80. When are you not going to be broke? Uh, I I think it was Sal earlier that said, do the opposite of what the government says. And and that's what I've tried to do my whole life. Like, when the government says a thing, I do another thing. And when the experts say a thing, I do the other thing. I remember very clearly back in 2008 when Susie Orman was saying, like, you know, you're going to work until you're 73 now. It's the new normal. That was the new normal back then. So I quit my job. I started a podcast, and I started investing in cryptocurrency, which would have been all the wrong things to do. But that's why I'm sitting here hanging out with you, drinking a beer on a Sunday evening, instead of, like, worrying about what I'm going to do tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to get up and do a podcast because that's what I want to do. And and that was something else we kind of hit on, and then we went away from it. Invest in yourself. Call it business call it following your passion, call it whatever. But the number one place I put my money is right into my own enterprise. And instead of calling it business, call it your enterprise. What do you do to bring value to the world? Invest in that. The only the, the only resource, if you really think about it, James, the only resource, like Jack was saying, is time. That's it. At the end of the day, the only resource is time. So that's all you have is time. The one thing we all have is time. So use it and invest in yourself, like, like, like Jack was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent points. Um, invest in yourself and and grow the world that you want. That's uh, that's ultimately what I think what I care about is that 
We are creating a world. Whether we know it or not, we are creating a world. Every time we make a purchase, every time we interact with someone, every time we spend our time or energy or money on something, we are creating something. We're growing and fostering something. And if we have that in our mind, you said it earlier, Sal, vote with your wallet. I wish people would really, really, really internalize that and understand it so that they would spend one one hundredth the amount of time and energy attention that they do on what they're doing every single day in all of their interactions and transactions, as opposed to the big sideshow selection carnival circus that comes around every four years. Hey, guys, you can decide how to run the country by checking, che- checking a box for some candidate. No, no, no. You are deciding what world you are creating every single day with everything you're doing. And that, to me, is the, really the point of all of this. And so... I think we've at least sparked the conversation. There's so, so much more to say, but you guys are all saying it in your own various ways in the work that you're doing. Let's just uh, tell people where they can find you and what they can find uh, when they get there. And we'll start with Tim. Hey, sorry, I uh, dropped off there. But can I just add one quick thing? Uh, if you're already in the system, is you can do a Roth. Uh, if you have all your money in an IRA, a lot of people think, okay, I'm going full agorist. I'll just pull all the money for the IRA, take all the taxes. Well, one thing you could do is you could actually, instead of doing that and you know maybe having a 10% penalty to it, you could just convert your IRA to a Roth. Then all of your gains at that point are tax-free. And if you have the private keys to the crypto, there's nothing for the government to ever confiscate anyways. But sorry, I wanted to give that quick thing because my call dropped off. But uh, you guys can find me at thelibertyadvisor.com, uh, advisors with an OR. And there you can find all the information for being, if you want to work with like a rental type financial advisor, I've Adopt early adopter crypto strategies, uh, crypto IRA type strategies. And then also I have all my podcasts where uh, I'm probably one of the few guys that both said that Donald Trump is going to win in 2016 and they blame it on the Russians on tape and in 2017 or sorry. And last year I said that he was going to lose and because they were going to rig the voting machines in these seven states, it was on stage. Uh, I just, you know, just to toot my own horn a little bit on that one. So uh, you guys can find all that at the libertyadvisor.com. And I also do stuff with Josh Sigerson of World with uh, World Alternative Media. Awesome. Jack. Uh, Jack, you're muted. There we go. All right. So uh, I am Jack Spirico. I am at the survivalpodcast.com. We've been online since 2008. We cover all aspects of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, independence, and liberty. Um, If we're going to toot our own horn a little bit, I gave three pieces of advice on your money in 2008. They were get out, get out, get out. That was that was what I led off the show with in 08. It's why I started the show. I knew what was coming. And I people were like, what do I do with my money? I'm like, get out, wait, and there'll be all kinds of things that you can do with your money after you get out of the way of this freight train. And so we talk about things like the stock market. We talk about cryptocurrency. We talk about gardening. We talk about permaculture. We talk about starting a business. We do what, what we talk about really is what I call modern survivalism, which means how do we optimize the design of our lifestyles so that we live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't? A um, couple couple times we won the uh, Podcast of the Year Award. We've done pretty well, so check us out. You might like us. Again, the survivalpodcast.com. Awesome. And Sal? Uh, yes. So I host the Agora Podcast, which is all about agorism and counter-economics. We try to keep the topics to related to logic, revisionist history, and counter-economics. Um, I also co-host a podcast with this knucklehead over here. Uh, called Unloose the Goose. We do that every Wednesday. Uh, the time alternates, but you can check that out at unloosethegoose.com. 
Um, 3D printer go burr, B-R-R-R.com. And uh, keep your eyes open for Agora Threads. We're going to be opening that on Tuesday. So we'll, you can, uh, we'll be selling clothing related to Agorism for cryptocurrency. Yeah, awesome. And let me put in my own recommendation for Unloose the Goose. Uh, I, I like that podcast. I, I put it in my recommended listening in my last newsletter. I hope people will check it out. And uh, who knows? Maybe I'll get an invitation one day. <laughs> All right. Okay, guys, we're going to leave it there. Um, as I say, there's so much to this topic. I'm sure we'll be circling back to it in various ways, and I hope we'll be talking to each of you individually and maybe together in various forms in the coming months and years. At any rate, that's going to do it for today, guys. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Thank man. you. Thank you. It's an honor.